This episode is sponsored by the Financial Due Diligence Framework Course. If you're doing any type of financial analysis and participate in M&A, strategy, or turnaround projects, you absolutely need to check out this course. By completing this comprehensive video course, you'll be strongly armed to analyze the P&L of any company and to be able to provide actionable, insightful reports. This course teaches you how to properly understand the methodology of how to conduct thorough financial analysis and what is important in financial due diligence. If you're looking for a career in transaction services in one of the big four, in a transaction services boutique, or to be a better private equity professional or M&A associate, you'll get a solid foundation to land your next job. And as a special offer, if you use the code SASDistrict, you'll get $100 off the entire course made specifically for our listeners. So if you're interested, go check out horizoncapital.com slash learn due diligence. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the top reasons why your SaaS startup needs people analytics today. Today, we have our guest, Ian Cook, joining us. Ian is the VP and Head of Workforce Solutions at Vizier, a people analytics and workforce solution that helps businesses with the best practices and enables HR professionals to answer the most relevant questions about your workforce strategy. He's been involved in driving forward the datafication of HR and is a speaker and blogger on the subject. Prior to Vizier, Ian built Canada's leading source of HR benchmark data. His knowledge and expertise comes from over 10 years of consulting to global companies. So welcome, Ian. Super excited to have you on the SAS District show today. Thanks for having us on, Akhil. I'm happy to be here. So I, w- I want to get right into the topic about you know people analytics, HR analytics, what, what exactly is, you know, people analytics and, and why is it important for maybe, you know, SaaS businesses or just generally, you know, businesses to understand why, why they should implement that or think about that? Yeah. So, so let me ask, let me answer with the why first and then I'll get into the what. So um, especially in SaaS, which is software based, but increasingly across all businesses, somewhere between 60 and 80 cents of every piece of operating expense is on people. Like if you think about the salary budget for somebody like an Apple or a Google, uh, think of our salary budget. And then even increasingly, you get into you know manufacturing businesses, their, their, their operating expense, not the capital, but the, the day-to-day money, somewhere between 60 and 80 cents of that is on people. Right. And so people analytics is then is the, the, the use of data about people's behavior, about the events that happen to people, and about the effects that those have on the business. You know, Everybody, the simple way to break that down is everybody's focused right now on turnover or resignations, like, you know, keeping enough bodies, writing code to, to build your products. But that has a massive effect. If you, if you don't have the bodies, you don't ship code on time. If you don't have the bodies, you don't have experience, you get bugs. If you don't have the bodies, you know, you can't grow your business. And so, you know, people analytics is, is truly that linkage between what is it about people that has an impact on our business? How do we understand people through the data so that we can maximize our opportunity to, to make the business successful. You know, l- lots of people think of it as like, oh, we're measuring HR practice. And that, that's not the case. What we're measuring is, you know, how do people behave? How are the, how are those behaviors affected aligned to something the business cares about, be it customer satisfaction, be it, you know, um, bugs, 
bug rates in code or, or whatever that might be and, and putting those things together. So we understand how to, through the people, how to make our business successful. Mm. So, so just kind of digging in deeper, if, I, if I'm trying to set up my, my analytics and I have, you know, uh, 10 or 100 employees working for me, what, what are some numbers I know I should be keeping track of? What, what do you typically like to say that people should, should pay attention to? So when you get, when you're the 10 employees side of things, you, you, you tend to know everything because you're, you're just, you're working as a huddle. Like there's not, at the size of 10, not much call for analytics. When you get to the size of 100, it would be keeping track of um, things like really simple things like tenure. By the scale of 100, you're looking to expand. Like when, when Vizier hit our 150 mark, that's when our growth exploded. And so we needed to make sure that we were keeping the people who knew the business really well. Because when we went from 150 to 400, like all of that knowledge needed to spread amongst the 300 people who had no idea about our business. Right. And so if we weren't keeping that core, we weren't keeping the expertise of that core, the passion, the commitment of that core, then we weren't going to be able to scale our population at, at the rate that we needed to. So, you know, when we get to that 100 scale, it's like if, sure, I'm 100, but I'm replacing 30 people every year, that's tricky. I'm at 100 and, you know, my tenure is two to three years. I'm losing four or five people every year. Okay, we've got this committed body that's looking to really help us grow the business. So, you know, even at that scale, people would go, ah, you know, one person leaves, give or take. Sure, one person leaves. But what tends to happen is, and this is where analytics has really kicked in, is, you know, one person left and then another person left and then another person left. And because they happen as events, you can always kind of find a reason why. It's like, well, it wasn't a good fit. And yeah, you know, their wife moved away or whatever. You can right. always explain it away. It's not until you actually look at it, uh, you know, in a, a statistical way that you're the true is like, oh my God, we lost 20 people because we lost them in dribs and drabs to use a Scottish phrase. Um, and, and so that, that analytics piece like just really brings that, okay, like maybe we do have a problem. We We didn't feel it, but when we see it in the data, we know we have it. Exactly. So that, that's, that's a, I mean, it's, it's a core example. Everybody, everybody has the headcount. Well, challenge is the wrong thing, but you know, especially when you're building a SaaS product, it's anything like ours, the, 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 the ramp time for somebody to learn how to put code into your product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's usually not a couple of days. It's usually a while. Um, yeah. And that, that all has an impact on your productivity. Makes sense. So yeah, what what measures gets get uh, managed, right? So to say. So in this case, yeah, people turning around and uh, you know turnover, all that you know kind of data is, is super important to track. Um, you know, and there's kind of a big deal talking about you know predictive analytics as well. What's the analysis insights? You know, so we talk about you know resignation, turnover, salary estimation, or performance predictions, and you know how how accurate are these predictions and analysis? Yes. Yeah, so. Again, kind of building on the same story, and, and, and I'll pivot out to you know things like uh, performance and salary. Um, one of the key uses of analytics is it, it, it's one thing to know that you've got a, a problem of people leaving; it's a completely different thing to change it. You know, you can't bring those people back once they've gone. Rarely you can, but it's rare. So predictive means actually we need to know what's driving people to leave, so we can stop them leaving. You know, some of our biggest we have studies of really substantial returns to our clients where they've been able to, to run a program on who's looking to leave and, and engaging with their leadership to have the right conversations so that that person stays. Because often, you know, you, you don't know why somebody's going to leave, but an, an algorithm says, hey, this person's in that, in that zone where there's a probability. 
then you can actually engage with the person and say, hey, how's it going? Like, where are your aspirations? Do you know what your future looks like here? Is it salary? Is it career? Is it work flexibility? And start to have the conversation that paints a picture of their future in your business. Doesn't keep everybody, but even if you keep, you know, half of the people you talk to, then that's again, it's a massive return, especially in something like a, you know, coding role. It could be a a replacement cost could be around a year's salary on the, you know, fully loaded in management time, recruiter time, like all of that stuff. So, you know, that's a big return. when you're getting into prediction around compensation, a lot of it, and especially in you know growing SaaS world, the the what salary might we need to offer to land a client? A lot of that predictive work would use market data and say, you know, if we offer X, are we going to get the top tier client candidate that we need? Are we not? Like, and how is the market changing? So there's a lot more work being done. You know, salaries used to be incredibly stable, not so anymore. The the market is red hot. Um, so using predictions in that space to say, we can get a mid-tier candidate at this price, but we really need a top-tier candidate, so we might actually have to go higher. And actually putting some math behind that, as opposed to just saying, hey, you know, so-and-so said they were getting such and such at Amazon, we'd better match that because, you know, otherwise we're going to lose. Uh, and, and again, that's, this is for me a lot about where people and like really connect with the business. You know, you're kind of running a hockey team. You want the best talent at the lowest cost in the right place. Because right. um, if you just chase the market and throw money at the problem, your cost base is going to be too high. It's going to have an impact on your margin. So so it's really just you know listen, listening in and, and trying to understand why. Right? Is, it, is it the salary people are leaving because, you know, are we lower than, you know, market salaries? Um, is it because, you know, is it because, you know, so same management that happens to come off from the same manager and maybe there's something there? Is it the technology we're using that no, no developer wants to work on, right? And they're leaving because of that. So you really pay attention to that and, you know, yeah, I guess understanding why that's happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you, make, you make a great point because often that's like the, that's that, that further exploration. Like we find the problem and then we have to drill and dig and understand. And when you get that, you get to start to manage your business with precision, which is kind of in the competitive environments we live in that's really important yeah i mean and how how accurate would you say you know things are like you know exit interviews are you know do they really share the the full story or do you think you know uh employees are typically you know you know not telling the truth at that point yeah i think exit interviews are are an average source of insight we 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 do the prediction off the event set so we use what's called a random forest it's a piece of machine learning it, it, it learns based on prior habit, you know, what mm. people have done in the past. So it, it tends not to rely on exit surveys. It actually tends to rely on like the, what we know about the people. Um, and we validate it to make sure it's working. We, it's a, we don't practice black box. We're fully transparent and how that works. Uh, and we found it to be extremely accurate. The, the challenge with exit surveys, you know, when you're small, paying a third party to do it is hard third parties, you're only going to get a portion of the people who are prepared to talk to you. Uh, I think I've seen some stats somewhere I would be struggle to go and reference them, but you know, the frequency with which the top reason in the, in the pick box was checked as to the reason of exit was, you know, like 80% because people are just, Oh yeah, I'll fill in the survey, but Oh yeah. They just click the first thing, whether it's true or not, mm. um, just to get it done. So there's, so there's a lot of reasons why exit survey data, whilst it's often, relied on it can actually be extremely misleading so you know we we advocate far more for the the you know from the data as opposed to 
tracking people's opinion. There's lots of reasons why you would not give the truth in an exit survey. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you mentioned one tool. Is there any other, you know, recommended tools or applications for, for maybe some SaaS founders are sitting in, they want to access this data and start leveraging it themselves? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of ways to get started and, and, and lots of people just, they, they literally start off in Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, other common tools that people are using, especially if they have a, a kind of a, an orientation towards tech is, is things like R and Python um, to, to build the analysis. Vizier has built an application where we, we do a lot of the, because there's, there's mainly three stages to getting good people in sight. Um, and the, the technology tools kind of do pieces of it, but they never don't do it all end to end, whereas we're more end to end. So you need to get the data from your source systems in and prepared. And so there's a whole ETL uh, data management piece. There's then this notion of a domain model. And this is again where you need the expertise, like, What's the right way to calculate promotions? What's the right way to calculate uh, turnover? I don't know, how do you manage pay what you actually pay against the budgeted pay that you've got? And mm. that, that's a domain model. Like that is the, the analytic knowledge. And so, you know, we have that layer. And then there's the whole distribution and secure distribution, which is um, important because it's when you use the data that actually makes sense. So, you know, you can stitch those together yourselves with, with a bunch of expertise. And when you're small, you know, lots of people get started with Excel fairly quickly. And you know, we find when organizations hit that 500 to 1000 person size, it makes sense to engage with a specialist vendor. Um, mm. it, it takes a lot of the work out of your IT group. But, you know, we have lots of people who, um, They've, they're technology firms, but they've chosen not to build it themselves because they, they don't see the point in spending their development resources. They should go into their product. <laughs> they shouldn't go yeah, into exactly. this kind of thing. So, um, mm. yeah, that's, that's so, so tends you, to be so the, you have the option. Yes, yeah, so you have the option of you know building yourself using something like Python or R, um, and you know build up your own analysis internally, and then you know maybe there's the option of you know, hiring, you know, business consultant, data analysts or analytics companies that maybe will source and may provide and manage that, that market data against yours. Um, is, do you see any much difference in terms of like, you know, the overall quality and how that's managed? I, I do. I mean, I definitely advocate that you, you should own this capability yourself. Like, because what we've seen quite often, especially in the, in the build it yourself group is that, you know, there's a particularly brilliant data scientist or particularly smart individual comes in and they make something. Yeah. Um, and then after they've made it, they're kind of bored of it. So they don't want to maintain it. And so they move on. But they're the only person who knows the quirk and the code that goes from the source data to the answer. And so if the source data changes and the thing breaks, there's no way to reverse engineer it and fix it. Right. So you then get into a rebuild. So if you if you go down the route of and the same thing is true for consultants, like you know, if you're paying a consultant to make it for you, then you're reliant on that consultant's knowledge to maintain it, and and that's what people often forget. It's like, oh, we'll we'll get this answer. It's great, yes, but you should only build answers that you want again and again and again. It's it's not a one and done project type thing. It is a it's an operational insight, so it it needs to maintain. So your choice is to make sure that what you have access to can be continued, you know, looking to automate a lot of that. Um, those are really important steps. So own it yourselves. Um, and again, there's there's vendors like Vizier and, and our, our competitors who uh, can deliver as a service. It's literally, we are a SaaS, we're a SaaS provider. So subscribe to us. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to see kind of the the difference there in, in terms of you know how people are, are being managed and and you know seeing internally, right? And you have to update that that database, that library, uh, frequently. Otherwise, you know, the data becomes irrelevant after some point, right? So that's another part. I mean, that's a great point, Akil. One of the huge things that we saw through the last phase that we worked through is the whole you know move to hybrid models, work from home, different management practice, mm-hmm. and so we for a large portion of our clients we. They've shifted from, you know, it was the HR team and the people analysts who were doing the work to, to distributing it out so that anybody who, ha- who has people to manage is um, actually able to access information about those people mm. uh, and access information about their team. So, you know, the, it's an evolving practice that is increasingly becoming embedded in the way people manage. And, and yeah. managers were hungry. It was, that, you know, there's, oh, well, we better be careful on the data we give them. And then all of a sudden like usage just off the scale and um, real high demand for like, help me understand this better. Can you tell me more? Like what else could I understand? So mm. you know, managers are kind of hungry to understand their people, not from the, you know, what do I think, but how is this actually working? I'd imagine like with, you know, a lot more, you know, especially SaaS organizations and, and all kind of companies moving more remotely, uh, there's been more of a demand for this, especially when, you know, you're working from home that you probably, as an HR person, you feel more blind. So having these access and tools, you feel uh, a little bit more in control of what's going on and understanding your your business organization or your department uh, a bit better, right? Any other differences or things you've, you've seen that, that uh, became apparent as people shifted to be remote? Yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot more use of... Um data around kind of employee perception and, and, and not just the classic engagement survey, but, you know, but a lot more uh, like micro pulsing. So pulsing on a weekly or monthly cadence around is your homework set up good? Are you getting the support you need from your manager? Do, do you understand our mission and direction? How do you feel about the innovation that's going on? So we're, we're seeing this, uh, um, an expansion of the data that's being fed in. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, the employee profile, like who am I, who do I work for? And, you know, how do I feel about that work? And how do I feel about the business? And how do I feel about these things? So those th- two things put together, as mm. well as this extension out to to the manager and even things like categorizing who is working from home, who's not, who's in a hybrid, so mm. that, that that difference can be um, dealt with. It, it, like it used to be that kind of HR had a policy that applied to everybody. <laughs> Um, yeah. One of the accelerations that's absolutely uh, was underway already, but has really taken off is this um, segmentation of the workforce. So who needs what, depending on where they are. Early career professionals have different needs to mid-career professionals with family who are different to you know, more mature professionals who are you know, looking to leave legacy, uh, even in a very simple basis. So understanding that this one size fits all policy has to uh, allow that freedom for people to make their their experience of work work for them um, mm. means that you, you can't you can't do it without data right um, intuition doesn't work because it's too complicated <laughs> it's too it's biased as well right <laughs> exactly exactly good point um so you mentioned, you know, five, you know, typically when you're getting, you know, 500 plus employees, this becomes obviously super more, you know, a lot more important. Uh, and then you mentioned this, you know, you can't have an all, all in one kind of solution that, that that applies to the entire department. 
you know, if, if I'm a SaaS founder, I have all these employees and I have different, you know, skill level, different, you know, teams and departments. How, how do I go about choosing the right system or solution for, for HR analytics and, you know, for, for a SaaS company uh, specifically? Yeah. And, and I'll pull on stories from our customers. Um, mm. What, what they, it's, it's, and it's actually a common problem across analytics everywhere. Mm. What you, what you need is a common centralized standardized repository of data that you can use to analyze and common, uh, you know, measures, metrics, way, ways of building calculations, again, that is standardized. And then you need that in a technology that allows for uh, locally built execution. So it, it goes back to this. It's not one size fits all. So you need to make an assessment of what tool can I have that sits at the hub? So data management, data prep, uh, the way in which turnover is calculated, the way in which promotions are calculated, the way in which pay change is calculated is all standardized, mm. but exactly what group A use is completely different to what group B uses. And, and we've got the security model that allows that. So, you know, looking at it as a centralized infrastructure, mm. but with localized decentralized use so that, you know, whoever is running customer success doesn't have to consume the same content if it was running finance because clearly their business needs are different. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so, you know, looking at, looking at the way to build it out, it's like, okay, well, is that a person in each of those groups that's responsible for it? Or is it there some core central infrastructure we can use where experts in each area using the same content can then serve their lines of business? Mm -hmm. um, the second one is the one that scales with the business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is which is super important with SaaS. Yeah, um, you know, and kind of coming back to the the kind of remote teams, you know, moving, uh, moving to that direction, and you know, you know, change in resignations, and especially um, we've seen that a lot among you know mid career professionals. I, th I think a lot, especially maybe the uh, yeah, you can imagine. Can, can, can you share maybe some some other trends you've seen with you know, in terms of HR analytics and uh, what are, what are some terms of behaviors you're seeing in, in 2021 as as you know the, the dynamics have changed with with teams all over the world? Yeah, so. It's um, don't even know where to start this change. <laughs> so we, we have benchmark data. So we, we take all our, our whole data set and we process it to understand what's going on. So we spotted the great resignation back in February and, and started to share that with our clients. We, we knew it was coming. Uh, we could see the patents already. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things, the, the big thing that's driving that that is different, which again, where data is really key is a lot of people are reassessing their way they work. So it's not necessarily that I just don't like this employer. It's actually, I kind of want a different work experience. I don't want to code anymore. I want to go into marketing, like huge disruption. That's mm -hmm. one piece. The other trend we're seeing, which I think is, is super interesting, is more um, more of a move to a product mindset within the people analytics group. It, it used to be it was projects. Yeah. You know, everything was like, oh, let's find out about this. We built the spreadsheet. We calculated the answer. We told the business we it died. Mm -hmm. Whereas our more sophisticated groups are saying, actually, we're going to build a, a product for customer success. We're going to build a product for sales team. And, and they go, they, so they go through a product development cycle of what's the business requirements? How does the data get used? They prototype, um, uh, you know, a, a, a data story. Like, here's how we're telling you the answer to your questions. Like, does this work? Does this not? They change and then then they publish and maintain. And so we've seen a, a huge trend in people on like away from that a fixed dashboard, 
you know, very few of our customers have one dashboard that serves the whole business. They may, but it would be very, you know, very constrained piece, far more to, um, precise insights for pieces of business that are then built as a product, not, not as a, not as a sort of one-off cycle. So, and I think that's a fascinating trend because it, it really yeah. puts that people data, the same footing as finance data, where there's a cadence. It's clear. It, we're using it alongside the decisions that the business is making. So it, it builds it into the fabric of, of day-to-day decisions. Um, and then the, the other trends are just the, the massive expansion of the data that's being used. So, you know, um, the kind of assumption of some folks is that I have an HIS. That's the system that captures the employee record and kind of says who you are, who you work for. Like, right. I, I just need to analyze that. And that's, that's no longer true. Um, you know, survey data, payroll data, talent acquisition data. There's a whole host of new information around wellness that people are using. Uh, there's a whole uh, drive around OKRs and um, yeah. that area. So the, the other major trend is this, this understanding that analytics is, is across an ecosystem of, of uh, other transactional tools. So you have your system for tracking your OKRs, which is, you know, that manages that, but it only gives you answers about OKRs. It doesn't give you answers about sentiment. And so bringing that together, like this one place to see everything um, and being able to bring all that data together is a, so people are seeing the importance of it, the value of it, how it's necessary and actually driving strategy. And so mm-hmm. again, just the, the, the range of different systems that are being uh, fed into us is, is, again, has accelerated a lot. And if somebody's, you know, a SaaS entrepreneur listening in today, and maybe they want to leverage some of these these insights and analysis to, you know, they have some of these these HR challenges you mentioned internally. Um, where do you where do you suggest them to start to even look? Uh, so, I mean, great place to start is on Vizier's blogs called Clarity, mm-hmm. uh, and what, what we what we feature there is kind of combination of. Um, papers around how to think about it strategically for your business and then case studies from organizations that are doing it. So you can see both like technically, how should I think about this? And then actually what is the return to my business? And so you can start to educate. Um, There's another group called Insight 222 who who, again, publish a lot of uh, information around the practice of of people analytics. And and then um, there are a couple of great conferences People Analytics World and Bafau, uh, they're great groups to follow in terms of, you know, where's the current state of practice? What are practitioners thinking about? Like, what are the, what's the state of the art? Like, what's the best thing people are doing? As well as like, what's, what's the common way in which to build out a function? Because uh, one of the other trends I think that we're, we're definitely seeing is we've been dealing with a lot of early adopters. We're now firmly in that mass adoption phase where the, organizations are working out how to go about adding this practice to their business. Um, so following those who've beaten the path, following those who kind of know how to do it is, is a key way to get it done fast. Awesome. Well, we'll add those uh, links to in our show notes. If people are, are interested to learn more, you guys can, can check them out um, and, and learn, you know, how to apply it yourself with your business. 
Um, so sw- switching gears, Ian, more kind of on the, the personal level and understanding you, your background and kind of how you got to where you are today, would love to hear you know, a bit of your background. And, uh, and I think you joined the, the Vizier team as the VP of People Analytics. And if you can just share, you know, where you guys are in terms of size today, uh, if you guys yeah. you know how much, you know, if you guys have raised or you guys, you know, publicly traded or you, you know, uh, bootstrapped yeah. completely. Yeah. No, so, so we're, we're a, a 11 years old from the founding of the company. Um, I've been with the business about 10 years. We recently announced a Series E of 125 million, which was fronted by Goldman. Um, and that took us into being unicorn status. So wow. we, we are, we are the market leader in people analytics uh, globally. And, um, we're uh, pretty proud of what we've achieved in terms of the growth uh, and, and you know scale of of this area. We started with a notion that people analytics could be done differently, where you start with a business question and, and you build an, an application from there. Um, mm. That was kind of vision ten years ago. You know, this last round of funding, the, the sort of achievement of that valuation has has been for many of us who've been pounding <laughs> for ten years. It's kind of validation that we weren't wrong. Um, all those years yeah. ago yeah absolutely congrats on, on that that's it's a huge achievement yeah and my role with vizier through that was uh, uh predominantly on the product side um building out you know what's in the product why it's in the product communicating the value of that um and, and setting product strategy and then what brought me to people analytics was the the experience of consulting as you you mentioned in the introduction i kept running into what i described as the the cfo challenge where you want to spend money on people You've, you've got a strategy that you know will work. You have seen it work elsewhere, but, but you cannot prove that the money will be returned. That right. the, the data, the understanding, the, the, you know, the quantifiable approach to people just wasn't there. And so mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I went back to school and started to dig into this people analytics thing and, and built out my capabilities. And Vizier uh, is my second uh, people analytics business that I've built. And or being part of building, to be pretty clear, um, and I, I'm just I'm super excited by where we are because it's it's now becoming a given practice across the whole HR space, uh, and it's yeah. been really key around people. Um, Ian, if just a kind of hypothetical question, you know, if you if you were to start a a new platform or software uh, in this space today. And, and I'm saying this because maybe there's somebody in listening in, in a, from our audience who's looking to start something in the HR space. And you know, maybe there's a clear problem you're seeing from the trends. Anything you would tackle and focus on today? Um, there, there is a, there's an emerging challenge around how to understand the productivity of an individual. Mm. That's a good uh, and it's 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 not a one size fits all. It's not about hours. It's it's really um, the complex, thorny, and multifaceted. <laughs> uh, and yet, as we go hybrids, one of the biggest fears that every employee has around hybrid is like, well, they're not going to see my work. They're not going to see my contribution. Am I going to be judged fairly? Mm. Uh, and, and and it's a it's a problem that data can solve for us. It's a problem that like a really well thought through approach can solve for us. That the data exhaust is there, the technology could be built. It's um, but it is it's a thorny nut to crack. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but if you crack so it, factors. Yeah, <laughs> if you crack it, there is gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, people try with you know time management and you know seeing kind of how people spend their time. But I mean, that's, that's probably a good start. But I think there's there's a lot more. You know, there's a lot more. Factors. 
Well, I mean, OKRs is, is, is an attempt, um, mm. but OKRs is still, uh, it's really heavyweight in terms of, you know, it takes managers to ask you to put them in. It takes an employee to be good at articulating it. It takes mm. both of them to change it if the direction changes. You know, exactly. I, I, I think the, the modern solutions will, you know, pull from Jira, pull from Asana, pull from ServiceNow. Uh, and link that back to something else around the employee, some kind of assessment of um, their capabilities, their their energies, and build that like performance profile. Yeah, um, and it and it will be who knows exactly how, but it's it's certainly not one size fits all. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> I love it. That's a, that's a great one. <laughs> Nice. Um, so Ian, I want to switch gear a little bit more rapid fire questions, you know, also about yourself. Uh, you know, so you're part of the management team, you serve as the VP, uh, quite, it's a quite demanding role, you know, and, and you know, kind of, we spoke about this, right? Just, just in this last answer being, uh, you know, success or, or, you know, what, what kind of you bring to the table, how, how do you measure your own, you know, say leadership success and, and within your own team? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really tough question and a really good <laughs> question. So I, I say it two ways. I see my role in as, as a leader is to, to set direction and to sort of look around the corner to position us to win in the future. Mm. Uh, I, got, I don't I don't see my job as like I'm on the strategy side of product, so I, I I have to work out where where is the money coming from next. So that's kind of part A, and then part B is um, it's about the people and our uh, people. Are they enabled? Again, as a, as a leader, I don't see my job to control folks. I, I think that's impossible. My job is to enable folks. So do they understand? Are they aligned to their skills? Are they able to give up their best? Do they, you know, invest their energy towards the goal, you know, with uh, as much energy as possible? Um, mm. And so I, I kind of measure it those two ways. How, how right? You never get it dead right in terms of where, you, where you're going to go. Like it's crystal wall gazing, but how right are we? Are we in, were we in the ballpark? Did we miss? Um, you know, I, I love, I love making those bets. Even when they're wrong, it's still a fun process. But, yeah, exactly. um, when, when they're right, it's really, really fun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, m- measure on people's willingness to, to give commitment, uh, to give energy, to give the best of their, capacity we're very you know there's a lot of creativity there's a lot of individual effort that goes in and, and we're the collection of all of that individual effort so if you're able to unleash that through how you lead people then i think you're you've got two of the foundations in place so those are my two uh, personal measures and, and they're the precursors to the revenue of course, of course um, yeah. um, so that's how i think about it Nice. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you get the most out of the people? I guess that's the, the fundamental of, of any I, management of a team, right? It, it is, but I position it slightly differently, Akil. is like, how do you help people give their best? And mm. it's a slightly different phrasing, and I think it's a, a it's an important uh, change. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, if, if you were, you know, going back to your to your 25-year-old self, uh, you, you know, you, you can tell, you know, give yourself one piece of advice. What, what's something you wish you had known and you would tell yourself at that point? Oh, that's that's a really good question. Um, I think I w- I think I wish I would have known about product management at that point. I, I went into consulting because I liked solving problems and I was in- interested in solving the problems. Mm. Um, about twenty years ago, I morphed into product because I realized in consulting you solve the problem once and then solve it again and again and again and again, and that's kind of boring. Mm. Um, 
So I think if I'd known about product management as a 25-year-old, I don't even know if it was around as a 25-year-old. It probably probably in its nascent uh, state. Um, if I'd known about product management, I my you know career would have been um, slightly different. But no regrets about where I went, but uh, you know I would have told myself to to look a little more at what is what is around what the world of work looks like and what's possible. Because um, at, at that point, coming into work, it was. You know, access to that information was very hard to find. So, I think I wish that, I think I wish I'd told myself to to spend more time digging into what I'm truly passionate about in work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian, who or what are some of the best three resources? It can be books, it can be you know, people, mentors, or just people you follow in the space who you'd say have been the most instrumental to to your success over these last few years. It's uh, inspiration wise, and, and he's long retired. But there's a guy called Jack Fitzends who kind of did a lot of the foundational work around using people data, um, wrote some of the early books and kind of established this piece. Uh, I met him, talked to him. He was a huge inspiration to kind of say, yeah, there's a different way to do this people thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the um, on the people to read side, there's a, there's a couple of folks, um, Richard Rosner, who's a, a practitioner, you know, really deep thinker about uh, how how the function should work, how you how you build out the function. Another guy, RJ Milner as well. Um, I'll they're they're both friends and quite often go to, you know, tap into like how are you thinking about things. Um, mm. Trying to think of the other. And then um, inspiration wise again, there's a couple of guys, um, uh, Dan and Patrick Riley who are are building out a, a group around um, people-centric business and and, it, and it's it's really starting to rethink you know business in the traditional business in the you know prior to the 20th century was was built around the money mm-hmm. uh, and how do you but how do you actually build a business around the people so that it it makes money um, mm-hmm. and I find that really inspiring and there's a bunch of folk in that group um, who are really pursuing that question talking blogging engaging in what does that actually mean to build a people-centric business um mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of energy and inspiration from them love it a- any books you'd recommend any one or two favorites uh most of my favorite books are kind of old <laughs> mm, <okay. laughs> but, um actually there's a recent book uh put out by david green and co which is which is around people on lex and it's a, it's a really solid practitioner book mm. um uh, some of the, the interesting books for me are a book called The Fifth Discipline by a guy called Peter Senge, who it looks at how does an organization perform and how does an organization behave. Um, and there's some really good fundamental truths that, that hold true. He was one of the first people to look at an organization as a system, uh, as opposed to a machine. Lots of people think about organizations as a machine, right. as opposed to an ecosystem. Mm. The machine metaphor is fine if you're making you know, cars like Henry Ford, it's really bad if you're making software like us. So, um, yeah, I, I still find, I still find myself pulling pieces from that. I still find myself referencing that to some of the folks I mentor. So okay. that would be an inspiration from the past. Good, good to know. We'll add that, that book to our show notes. If people, you guys want to check that out. Uh, sounds like it's a good, good read to check out. Uh, Ian, what does uh, success mean to you today? Whether that's you know personally, business, financially, life. There's no right answer, but yeah, no. To, success to me today is it, it's um, I'm at the point where 
make, making sure that, you know, Vizier, Vizier's mission, the, the purpose we've built into the business, um, just in, continues to grow and endure. Like we've, we've done the phase of establishing that the approach we went down, the need for what we're doing, the value of what we're doing is, is there. Like that's, that's a given kind of, but it, for me, that's the start point, you know? Um, so success for me is continuing to grow the impact of our work uh, on the lives of people who work. But we have countless stories of decisions that were different because people were, analytics was used and they've been better outcomes for people. It's like a, a lot of our, a lot of our clients have used our data to look at the diversity inside the organizations. Many of them put in programs that enable economic uh, mobility for their employees. You know, mm. they noticed they were very diverse in their entry level roles. They weren't very diverse in their management roles. You know, they committed to change. They put in the money. They put in programs. They're they're building pathways for people to excel. Uh, mm. um, that's what excites me. That's kind of why I'm in the space. That's that's what what drives me every day. Uh, and I still, so success for me is just how many more of those stories can I build, basically. Um, mm. And and Vizier is a is a catalyst for that. And and it's it's not just me. It's the the team at Vizier that's driving that forward. So. That's cool. Seems like you found your your dream place to be, where you know every day you can be successful in in your impact of what you're doing. It, it, when you're as as everybody does, when you face those tough days, it is a it's a nice touchstone to kind of bring the energy back. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Cool. Uh, yeah, this, this has been great. You know, I really enjoyed this podcast. Really nice chatting with you. Uh, you know, for, for people listening in, founders, you know, HR uh, managers or marketers who want to maybe get in touch with you, learn more about you and Vizier, what's the, where's the best place to, to reach out? Yeah, best place to get me is LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm active there. I host a Thursday debate where we debate topics about people analytics, usually pretty fun. Always, I got a bunch of very insightful, educated uh, friends and colleagues that that will engage in the debate. It's it's very civil um, and usually really educational. So LinkedIn is a great place to find me, and then Vizier.com is our website. Uh, recommend Clarity as our as our blog as a as a place to again get access to great information to get educated, um, and then you know look for me and and various speaking engagements. I speak at Gartner. I speak for a bunch of different places. So um, you'll be able to to keep in touch with me through that. But I, I'm very uh, open and active uh, checking in with folks on LinkedIn. And, and I love to share what I believe and what I know and, and how that helps. So um, yeah, awesome. welcome the contact. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ian. I appreciate you jumping on the SAS of Six Show today. Much appreciated. Thanks, Q. Good to chat. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com. And myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.